0: Welcome to the Travel Worth Living podcast. Our mission is to help aspiring travel content creators make a positive impact with the stories they tell. We do this by sharing the how and why of content creation through practical and inspirational stories.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Seth here. And as you may remember from the last episode, we just got back from an incredible camping trip around the island. The weather's been extremely warm on the east coast of Iceland, and we saw 26 at the hottest, and the average was around 23. So, incredibly warm. We enjoyed the shorts and t-shirt kind of weather. Uh, Very unusual for Iceland, but beautiful nonetheless, and we had a great camping trip. On this week's podcast episode, we dive into more of the why of travel content creation with Christina Reitzes. Originally from Russia, she is currently living in Iceland and working as a professional photographer, shooting portraits and working with brands. While living in Russia, her interest in languages took her to China on what would be her first major international trip. During our conversation, she discusses how that trip impacted her and some of the things which surprised her about different cultures. We also chat about her experiences growing up in Russia, what prompted her to move to Iceland, and how she views Instagram as a professional photographer. If you haven't already, be sure and subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified when New Travel Conversation goes live. Also, come follow us on Instagram to get daily updates about the podcast. We always love hearing feedback about each episode as well, so feel free to DM us or get in touch via our website. And now, here's my conversation with Christina Reitzes. Let's go ahead and start by telling us where you're at right now and what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I moved to Iceland. I live in Reykjavik right now. I moved two years ago, um, studying Icelandic at the University of Iceland at the moment. (laughs) Finished my second year. Yeah, and I'm doing photography here. I'm a full-time photographer right now, so that's one of my passions.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And we were talking earlier about how you kind of came to Iceland Well, yeah, tell us the story how you got here to Iceland.
0: Yeah, it's actually a long story, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) It all started with music. um, There was an Icelandic band that came to Russia. They were touring. um, And it was so exotic for everyone, because maybe it was the first Icelandic band in this uh, city that I grew up in.
1: Did they sing in Icelandic? Yeah, they actually sang in
0: Icelandic and everyone was blown away by their performance. Just people were, I think they didn't expect it to go so well. And I just, I fell in love with Icelandic music and I started discovering all these bands. I got into the language because I thought it was so captivating and sounded so, again, exotic and kind of different. And I really loved the sound of it. So I really like, I, I decided to learn it and become fluent in it, or at least understand and be able to sing and uh, yeah so I really got interested in Icelandic culture and then I saw the nature and I travelled to Iceland and I fell in love with the people and just <laughs> everything kind of here and I really wanted to to move to to try to live in iceland
1: how many times had you visited iceland before you came here
0: it was four times in total
1: okay so you did a little bit of research yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome so has it been difficult living here in iceland like the whole cultural difference
0: yeah it's it's so different it's kind of it's been a struggle i can't say that it was just a bed of roses that it was really easy No, you know uh, i struggled a lot and I, i'm still struggling with the language and uh yeah just like i don't know it's it's tough to move to to another country uh, you know it takes time to make friends and to kind of build your life there and uh, adjust
1: yeah is it <laughs> it's really hard making friends as adults <laughs> like yeah. no matter where you go yeah it's really true yeah. so yeah it, and just kind of creating that new life for yourself yeah
0: yeah, this network, like building this network from scratch, it's kind of difficult when you don't know anyone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, was Iceland was that kind of like because you'd been to China before, and we'll talk talk about that a little bit. Yeah. But was Iceland your first major like international move away from Russia?
0: In terms of living somewhere, yeah. It's just before that, it was just traveling like one month was max, and yeah, one yeah. month, two months like a week, two weeks, but not like living somewhere. So, yeah, it was my first experience living abroad. And, uh, of course, like Icelandic culture is different from Russian culture that I'm used to in so many ways. And I like to me, it's more relaxed and kind of chilled and laid back. <laughs> I feel like life in Russia is so stressful all the time. And like, I don't know, it's just so many people. and is a lot of pressure on you and it's just stress everywhere <laughs> so for me icelandic lifestyle is kind of really relaxed
1: <laughs> yeah uh, did you, do you come from the city or the country in russia
0: from the city but i actually i used i used to live both in the city and in the country. Side, oh, okay. so i have the experience of both
1: yeah nice
0: yeah but i lived in saint petersburg for like for five years before i moved here to iceland so okay. it's kind of a big city in russia yeah
1: saint petersburg is the capital right
0: it's moscow
1: oh yeah i knew that it wow be, it
0: used to be saint petersburg used to be the capital but yeah that's we why they have so much to... history there and yeah stuff. it's like a, it's called cultural capital of russia
1: got you No, I um yeah, I've heard so much about Saint Petersburg. I really want to visit there sometime. Just my
0: favorite city, to be honest. Is it the best? I think. (laughs) Well, to me, it's the best in Russia. Yeah.
1: And why do you say that? What what is alluring about Saint Petersburg? It's you. just
0: uh, I don't know like people yeah call it the northern Venice because there are so many you know uh, channels running through like rivers and channels running through the city through the city so many bridges and it's kind of romantic this romantic capital <laughs> of Russia and I don't know it's just so much history and there are so many events and it's it's kind of I think the most European city in Russia because it's maybe close to Europe or it's it's actually closer to Finland than to Moscow. It's like mm. 300 kilometers to Helsinki. Mm. So it's kind of, yeah, people, you know, call it uh, like a window into Europe or something. Like it's because it's that so close. And yeah. it's it's kind of, it's a different maybe atmosphere there as well. Like different vibe.
1: So it kind of has all these like cultural inundations from either direction. Yeah. Like the Russian mixed with the with European. Europe, yeah. <clears throat> interesting that's really cool so you only lived there for five years yeah. and you said you lived in the country too
0: yeah yeah uh actually i grew up like it's a european part of russia it's uh not that far from moscow in russian terms of course it's like 500 kilometers from <laughs> moscow which we say it's really close yeah <laughs> it's also, just a little ways <laughs> yeah it's like a, a overnight train so it's very close <laughs> and i I used to live in the city there and then we moved to the country with my parents and I spent like half of my life in the city, half of my life in the country. So yeah, um, but I, I, I always knew that I wanted to travel, that I wanted to move somewhere. I didn't want to stay there. I kind of, I, I have this nomad, um, restless spirit. Yeah. Spirit. Yeah. I don't know. Like I like to move around.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. So what are what are some of your favorite memories of your childhood? Like the places what what would you do as a child there in Russia?
0: What would I do as a child? I guess what all children do everywhere <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Just, you know, play, study.
1: <laughs> yeah, you were able to like play together a lot. And because yeah. uh, I know it's it, it's funny because in in different cultures, so that was one of the things that I noticed about moving here to Iceland, mm-hmm. like kids are just out playing together on the streets, like yeah. just walking down yeah. the down yeah. the street together. Whereas in the U.S., it's very much like they just, I don't know, they're they're more segregated, and yeah. so they have to go to soccer practice or yeah. you know they have to have events to hang out. They don't necessarily play together very much. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, just thought yeah. of that because it, it's very different depending on the culture that you grow up yeah
0: in. i guess so yeah maybe russia is closer to iceland in that yeah
1: sense. nice yeah yeah so you have this wrestle spirit what was, what was the first place that you went like what was the first time that you like left russia
0: it was actually china that was <laughs> yeah. okay
1: and so before that china trip uh what what made you decide on china
0: Uh, The language, so I I had been studying Chinese for three years at university, and I had a Chinese teacher, but I wasn't really exposed to a lot of native speakers, it was just Mm -hmm. one, our teacher, and I really wanted to try to kind of practice it in the field, like (laughs) practice it with real, you know, uh, Chinese native speakers and see if I can communicate with them, if they can understand me, if I can understand them, so... I thought it would be also a cool experience to get like the cultural experience, you know, to be in China because language is a part of culture. You can't separate the two. It's just, yeah, you have to, you know, learn about both.
1: Yeah, it really is integral because some of the ways that people use words is kind of, yeah, indicative of their culture. Yeah. You know, how they feel about certain things.
0: Yeah. And the way they think about the world, like the worldview is reflected in the language and is reflected in the culture as well so it's like inseparable
1: yeah so you went to china what what part of china
0: it was uh, a place called Qintao. it's a city on the coast of the yellow sea so yeah it's not that big it's like three or four million people i think so not so many people know about it it's not shanghai or beijing yeah (laughs) just just a a few million (laughs) it's a tiny (laughs) town tiny village
1: that's crazy
0: (laughs) but it's it's funny because it's actually it used to be a german colony it was um It was founded by German fishermen, so it was like a fisherman village. What? (laughs) And you can still see in the in the city center, you can still see like these German style, you know, buildings, like houses in German style. So it's quite (laughs) international.
1: Yeah, that is so interesting. So it has a lot of like Germanic um yeah, German influence in the city. You can still see it today. You can
0: still see it, for example, with like the beer culture. Okay. It's the best beer in China. Qingdao beer is like, they even have their own Oktoberfest or like something similar. <laughs> I was going to ask, do they celebrate yeah, Oktoberfest?
1: Yeah. <laughs> no way. Yeah,
0: it's actually really good. It's li- it's the only country where I drank beer. Like, it's funny. I didn't even drink it in Germany. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really a fan of beer, but in China, it was really good. Like, <laughs> it was an exception <laughs> for me.
1: That's great. That's so interesting. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. So what was what was like your first impressions when you got there to the airport?
0: It was just a shock, <laughs> culture shock all the time. Uh, first of all, I was amazed that nobody spoke English. Mm. And to me, it was, well, it's like, it's kind of like in Russia, you know, nobody speaks English. It's just people communicate in their own native language and it's enough because everything is translated. They don't have to speak any other language to, you know survive yeah so in china it's like nobody speaks english and even like i expected at least someone at you know international airports to speak english but there was just one person and they were looking for this person because my friends started speaking english we, we had to ask something it was like an overlay and they just they couldn't understand us so i had to speak chinese like all my insecurities were gone about my Chinese because I had to, you know, deal with some problems. So we just forget about all your, yeah.
1: And you've been studying Chinese for how long? Three years. Yeah, three years. So how much did you know by this point when you landed? Were you like, ah, I got this. I I can say basic stuff.
0: No, I was so insecure and I was so scared at first to like speak to actual real people, you know, real Chinese people. But then Yeah, like I said, like I had to deal with some problems, so I just kind of forgot about everything and (laughs) I tried to use all my knowledge of Chinese and it worked. Of course, it helped. It was easier to speak Chinese rather than English because just... It was impossible
1: <laughs> yeah the amount of English they knew was less than the amount of Chinese that you knew
0: and and also their accent makes it so hard to understand mm. their English so for me it was easier to switch to Chinese rather than understand their like English Chinese English like with yeah. this accent so like yeah
1: and when and when we say Chinese we're talking about Mandarin right how many well, how many that's, languages that's are there
0: that's what it's called in English yeah it's called Mandarin, in Chinese it's called something else, but it's like the the norm, the
1: The um, main language.
0: Yeah, that is taught at schools everywhere, and everyone is supposed to understand and be able to speak it. But then they have lots of dialects, and I didn't realize that (laughs) when I came to this province, they have their own dialect there. And the moment when I tried to speak with the locals, they didn't understand me, and I was shocked. Because I was speaking perfect Chinese in my mind. (laughs) But they were just, like, they maybe were not that well educated because they're supposed to understand me, but they didn't. And it was just a struggle for me because I tried to, you know, somehow rephrase what I was trying to say and explain and, like, use everything gestures. and, And then when I rephrased, they understood me. But, yeah. There there was this dialect which made it so much more difficult.
1: And so was the dialect like very different from Mandarin or was not it... Not really, it's just like some <laughs> just different ways, different to say ways things. of
0: pronunciation. It's kind of like maybe dialects in England, you know, when you have different sounds, different ways of pronunciation, so it's not that different. It's not like Cantonese, which yeah. is a totally different, almost like a different language. Yeah, they have the same writing system all across China, but they have so many dialects that are not, um, people do not understand each other when they speak, so Mm -hmm. they can understand when they start to write, because the the Mm. characters are the same. Yeah. but the pronunciation is different
1: yeah so speaking of characters um (laughs) how how does that work like how yeah it
0: was actually one of the reasons why I, i decided to learn chinese because i i would open a book in chinese and i just i couldn't understand how a human being can be able to read this like how is it physically possible like i just i couldn't understand it
1: yeah and they don't do left to right top to bottom either right How... they
0: do now they, used they do to okay. like in old you know old texts they're written yeah right to left bottom to top yeah <laughs> but now it's like left to right
1: oh interesting so, so
0: uh-huh. it's it takes a lot of time to to practice writing them because you have in order to remember them you have to write them many many times you have to like really mm-hmm. <laughs> devote a lot of time to it and yeah reading of course is easier writing is is more difficult because you have to
1: and each symbol is more like a word it's not it's
0: not really so each symbol is a syllable okay a word can have one syllable or two syllables sometimes three usually it's two two or one like in english you have words which is only one syllable cat or you have words which are two syllables yeah so it's the same. So it's kind of a syllable, and each syllable is kind of like a concept. So it's so different from our way of, you know, our writing system. Yeah. It's based on pronunciation, on sounds. And in China, it's all about concepts, about ideas, concepts. So each character represents a concept.
1: <laughs> Got you. So, like, for instance, if you said cat, it would just be yeah i don't even know how to ask this Um, but if you if you tried to write cat it's one syllable would it just be one symbol
0: yeah well yeah
1: if the concept was one syllable yeah
0: yeah or let's say you have concept electricity it's one syllable and you have concept um speech what do you have if you combine those two
1: electric speech like it's a telephone oh Never mind. Yeah. Okay.
0: Or like electricity plus brain, it's yeah. computer.
1: <laughs> Intra- <laughs> brain. I <laughs> love that. Yeah. Interesting. So then it would be the, like the two symbols yeah. creating that word. Yeah. Electricity
0: plus stairs, elevator.
1: Hmm. So it's
0: like really logical if you think about it, how they combine, how they make new words. It's all logical.
1: Yeah. Like so, the then, together. so then, when you're practicing, you learn like the symbol for electricity. Yeah. And then you also know the st- symbol for stairs. So then you yeah. can put them together. Yeah. Interesting. So it's a new word. <laughs> yeah. So how many characters are there? There must be thousands.
0: I think more than, or like around 50,000 or even maybe more. But nobody, I think nobody knows 50,000. Yeah. Nobody uses that much in everyday life. So you have, you need way less to, to like, communicate and just use the language in real life yeah in everyday
1: life yeah (laughs) interesting so yeah so are you (laughs) are you able to write chinese
0: well yeah i think i haven't practiced actually in a long time so my trip was 10 years ago it's crazy to think now like it feels like it (laughs) was yesterday
1: (laughs) yeah it goes by so fast
0: yeah but yeah i think if i start to uh, brush up on my Chinese, I will remember it quickly.
1: Yeah, wow. So you mentioned your friend. Were you there with a bunch of friends? or It just... was
0: like a group of uh, people from Russia. Basically, it was like an organized group. Mm. It was like a program, uh, you know, language program, which included some uh, cultural lessons as well. It was really interesting because we, were, we had some lectures about um, tea ceremony or calligraphy or tai chi i don't know if you know what that is yeah. <laughs> if you've heard about it
1: you know i do and then now that you ask me i couldn't tell you tai chi that's the martial arts yeah yeah okay i do know it's
0: chinese chinese martial <laughs> art yeah which is is used like it's taught at schools universities and this is what you see when you see people in parks practicing doing some slow movements it's yeah. tai chi yeah. So it's used like for health benefits and, and stuff. It's kind of like physical exercise.
1: Because that's like aligning the chi kind of thing. It's not the chakras or chakras. That's a different thing.
0: Yeah. I feel like it's more Indian.
1: Yeah. That's what uh, I was thinking. Yeah. But Tai Chi is still also like uh, with the health as well.
0: Yeah. it's It's now it's mainly used for these health benefits. And hmm. you can see lots of elderly people just practicing yeah. in parks together like <laughs> it's really fun
1: yeah when we lived in japan that was uh, we we saw that all the time they okay. like japan had um i don't know if they have like a name for it they probably do I, again it's been 20 years since i've been in japan um but they do the same thing. Their own?
0: Kind of martial
1: art or well they would just do exercises stretches so it kind of looked like tai chi kind of thing um like a bus would pull up and they would all get out and do their exercises together it was so funny but i i'm picturing kind of the same thing with you know chinese doing tai chi kind of similar yeah Yeah. so what was what was something that really interested you because i mean the cultures between russia and chinese are so different yeah it's um, like
0: a different world. Yeah,
1: you mentioned like calligraphy, Tai Chi. What was the other thing you said?
0: A tea ceremony.
1: Yeah, yes. tea. Tell me, tell me about that. Like
0: I don't really know a lot about tea ceremony. <laughs> it's like a whole new. Um, yeah, I don't know even how to describe this. It's like basically
1: uh, you can't just drink the, the whole, tea though.
0: Whole art in itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not just drinking tea. It's like the whole, you know, art, and it's kind of like calligraphy, tea ceremony. It's kind of like meditation so you really have to be calligraphy too yeah um you have to be really focused on what you're doing and this is kind of like this active type of meditation you know there are uh, different types and yeah you just have to be in the moment you have to be really focused on what you're doing and you meditate by doing it so yeah there is a lot to learn
1: yeah interesting (laughs) And so, like, calligraphy, the same thing. It's basically, like, the art of drawing is part of the meditation.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's this whole process.
1: Yeah. Is it used in certain situations, or is it just a cool font that you can use for certain things?
0: Mm, well, again, it's like it's like a separate art, you know? Mm. It, it's not just a font, like what we are used to in the Western yeah. world. <laughs> it's kind of, it's the whole you know, philosophy behind it. I I can't say a lot because I'm not (laughs) an expert in calligraphy. We just had like, uh, um, uh, there was a really famous man. He's really famous in China and he was coming to our, you know, lectures and showing us uh, calligraphy stuff and teaching us a little bit or like we were looking at him doing it and he was explaining like, had like lots of different brushes and it's just yeah
1: no way that's so interesting i i definitely want to learn more about that calligraphy has has always intrigued me just you know like in that respect actually i'm learning more about it from you but also just from the historical aspect with writing letters you know and doing the whole um uh the wax seals and stuff like that's always fascinated me. Yeah. So to hear that it's even more in China that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Was there was there something that like really stuck out to you as completely different from Russia in kind of like the daily life? Actually there's probably a lot. There's that's, a lot. I was going to say that's probably a very wide question. <laughs> yeah. But what was one of the biggest things that you just couldn't get over? You're like how they do this and they think it's normal.
0: Yeah. There were a lot of things like that. Um, But like maybe the most shocking for me was the kids. Um, You know, they wear these split crotch pants um, so they can just do their business like in the middle of a busiest street, like on a sidewalk. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. And nobody cares. It's normal. It's the norm. But the 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 thing that shocked me was when we were on a coach traveling between cities it was like a 6 hour you know uh, trip mm-hmm. and uh, a woman was sitting across uh, the aisle and she was with a girl she was like a toddler maybe and um, yeah the girl just made a huge puddle <laughs> right like beneath <laughs> And mom just didn't care like she didn't clean it up it was absolutely normal and we were just in shock (laughs) and we had like we still had like three hours to go or something (laughs) and we were just sitting next to them and to me it was just absolutely unimaginable in russia for example like this is something you can't even imagine or like in europe european countries but in china it's totally normal like this is what they're used to and it's normal (laughs) so for me it was really difficult not to judge people because this is the first instinct that you have is like judge something that is different from your culture judge something like you know say it's wrong or like this is rude or this is like completely unacceptable or something but that's not the case because like you have to understand that cultures differ and what is considered to be a norm in one culture it's not a norm in another and and vice versa so yeah you have to accept you know people and cultures the way they are and try not to judge them immediately and say that it's completely wrong <laughs> or it's unacceptable just kind of yeah try to think that okay it's a different culture this is what people are used to it's probably a norm here so i should not you know judge it in any way
1: and that can be really hard
0: yeah it is it's a challenge <laughs> actually yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, especially just because, I mean, we as humans, we just think we're right and we do everything yeah. right. just I mean, because
0: we're used to something. We think yeah. that it's right. but so that's, that's not the case. Like, it's not true.
1: So how did that challenge you, even like when you went back to Russia and now that you're here in Iceland? How did that kind of like those experiences open you up to being more open minded? Like, how, yeah. how did that affect you?
0: Well, like you said, yeah, I kind of, I think it made me more open-minded mm-hmm. and more accepting and just like try, I, I'm trying always to think that people are all different and I can't just, you know, um, I can't judge everyone from my own perspective because we are all, we, every person is kind of like a different world. So I think it it, it made me more tolerant and accepting and maybe understanding uh, when it comes to other people, no, no matter like what country or culture they're from. So it works like just, you know, in real life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I and that's one of the things that I love about travel and why I uh, encourage as many people as possible yeah. to do it um, is because it just opens your worldview like it, exactly. it shows you so much more and different ways to do things that are okay like yeah we're all different
0: yeah and and going to china is kind of like learning the language made me realize that people can think in a totally different way just they see the world they think in a totally different way and it's okay it's 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 not wrong you know <laughs> that's why i love languages that's why i love learning foreign languages because it kind of yeah opens your mind and makes you realize something different is okay
1: yeah are you do you just focus on one language at a time or are you kind of learning i was actually
0: learning english german and chinese at the same time it was at university it was a bit challenging oh wow especially when i had to switch between those three in a day like i had classes in german then in english then in chinese it was a little bit of a mix sometimes so like it was difficult to switch quickly from one language to another one but these languages are so different especially like Chinese and English and German they're so yeah. different that you don't really mix them
1: yeah so. what what is what is the most interesting thing you've found uh with learning languages just like how um yeah it, it was funny because the other day I was thinking you know when we learn another word in in a different language um then we can use that word another time and we we know what it means so basically like what we're talking about right now, we're using words that we've used millions of times, thousands of times, maybe millions of times, I don't know. Yeah. But all of a sudden now we're like creating new meaning with them and new um, ideas and sharing new things even though we're using the same words that we know. Yeah. So how, I don't even know the question to ask, but like <laughs> I was thinking about this and I was like, and it's wild and the fact that you're learning languages because now you're learning words in like so many different languages. Yeah. And everybody uses those words, but you can mix those words to create new ideas and feelings. And Yeah. And yeah, sure. But share. to me,
0: learning a foreign language is not about learning new words for the same ideas. It's how people express themselves. Yeah, kind of what you're and, talking about and, with and the culture. And actually, how they, like, we talk about when learning a foreign language, we talk about a, a worldview, you mm-hmm. know, in every language it's different. It's kind of how people, um, yeah, how they just perceive this world and how they express themselves is different. And this is what fascinates me all the time about different foreign languages, is that people just, you kind of have to bend your mind, you know, to get in a different space or way of thinking. And it's it's way more difficult than learning, just learning new words, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like,
0: yeah, in Chinese, it's in, like, just even if we talk about word order in a sentence, it's just so different from ours. It's like you have to bend your mind <laughs> to, 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 to remember it and to use it.
1: What's a typical uh, sentence in Chinese but said in English?
0: Like you want me to translate words? Yeah, in words. other words, like where
1: does the verb go in the subject? Yeah, and...
0: so it's, it's kind of like, let's say the grammar is actually really simple. Uh, they don't have any tenses. Oh, nice. <laughs> they don't have any, like, plural or singular. They don't what? have any of that stuff. It's kind of, it's really, it's 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 simple in many ways. Um, Man, so that's nice. <laughs> yeah, so you can say, like, I, to the store. Um, I, no, I go to the store. It will be similar to English. Mm-hmm. But then, like... I don't know what what example to give, like, for example, prepositions, they go after nouns. So you say house in mm. or table below. <laughs> so you kind of have to remember that. And uh, yeah, there are some differences in, in the word order. So interesting. It makes yeah. it a bit more difficult.
1: Yeah. That's the hardest part when you're just like flipping everything. Yeah. Um. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Chinese is is crazy
1: yeah so um yeah was there anything else from your time in China that you wanted to talk about uh during our conversation
0: yeah I was kind of amazed uh by their hospitality just Mm. how hospitable people are in general but again it's a cultural norm you know for us like it was so shocking when we were invited uh, by some local Chinese family like to spend the weekend with them and they just gave us so much food like we didn't even expect it. <laughs> they first of all they brought us to a cafe they paid for us they wouldn't let us pay like we were arguing with them and they just they wouldn't let us. Then they brought us to some other place where we had some kind of barbecue and they paid again for everything and they just forced us to eat. (laughs) It was kind of their way of, you know, uh, saying like, thank you for being our guests."
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yes, the guest mentality, especially in the Asian cultures, like the guests are so honored. Yeah, you know, it's that's that's one thing I love about the Asian mentality is the whole respect and honor that they have. Yeah. Then,
0: then we came home and they gave us like a wide selection of fruit that they bought specifically for us to try. Like all this Asian, you know, type of fruit. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next day they gave us a cake, which they ordered specifically for us again. <laughs> so we were like, we really felt a bit even uncomfortable because they were just, you know, giving and giving and giving. Yeah. And we were like, we didn't have anything to give back, but we were guests. So we had to be respected. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's in their culture. Yeah. You wanted
1: to like um, wanted to, turn down some stuff, but, but then impossible. that's disrespectful. Yeah. yeah. That's
0: disrespectful. So they really, like they wouldn't even allow us, you know, to pay for anything. No, like they paid for everything, for taxes, for like, they were driving us around, taking to different places. Yeah. It was crazy for us.
1: Wow that's yeah that's that's insane and it's funny because you have this uncomfortable feeling you're like this is not right you want to
0: give something back but But they just you 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 can't yeah just keep giving
1: and that's where and that's where like it's so important to learn the culture because you can be rude if you don't understand that yeah because in our Western culture, it's like, no, you've done enough. Thank you so much. But seriously, we'll, we'll pay for this. Yeah.
0: And like, it's it's also funny that how they, you can't accept a compliment in Chinese. So if you accept a compliment right away, it's really rude.
1: Hmm. That's
0: why they never accept it. You know, if you like keep saying, they, or they, they can just say something like, oh, no, no, like, You're beautiful. You look beautiful today. Oh no, it's you. Like you look beautiful today. (laughs) So they can't really say like, "Oh, thank you," and accept the compliment. It's considered to be rude.
1: Interesting. You have
0: to know this stuff because it's a part again of the culture and language. It's reflected in the language.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: Uh, yeah. It's really interesting. Wow. The same with the gift. You know, they can't accept the gift. Like they they refuse the gift first time it's polite. Mm. Then you have to kind of force it on them, <laughs> and then they accept it. Yeah. So It's like this ritual, you know, so- social rituals. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a great way to describe it. Just like a ritual that you have to go through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's kind of similar in Russian in Russia actually. Like it's a bit rude if you if you're a guest and you're offered something and you accept it right away. So people tend to say, no, no, I'm good. Thank you. And then you have the host has to offer it again. And then, you know, you say, okay.
1: (laughs) interesting. Yeah, it's so funny because then you go to like the States and in the South, south you have like the southern hospitality it's kind of famous um but in the north everybody's pretty much you know pretty cut and dry just very blunt yet very direct exactly so yeah you know you compliment oh thank you you know yeah but (laughs) that's that yeah um but yeah some it's it's so interesting how so where do you where do you find yourself like What is your culture, personally?
0: Um, When I went to China, I actually realized how western Russia is, Mm. because I felt like this is so eastern, this is so, like, Asian, so different from, uh, like, European part of Russia, even, like, Russia in general. Yeah. But I always thought that Russia is kind of in between. It's not really west, but it's not east. It's Mm -hmm. somewhere, like, in the middle, you know? (laughs) it's its own culture yeah it's It's like combination of east and west but i always thought of myself as a i don't know i i don't really identify with any um culture although i was brought up in russia of course like i i was brought up in this environment so i picked it up but i i don't know i don't want to identify with any particular place or culture I kind of want to accept all the um variety and diversity of the world I really love different languages and cultures and I think there is something uh cool in in every you know every corner of the world
1: yeah I love that kind of the open-mindedness to just pick out all the good parts and then leave the bad parts yeah (laughs) create your (laughs) own identity yeah yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, before we end this, I, I also want to talk about your career as a ph- photographer yeah. um, since this show is for like content creators, digital nomads. Um when did you when did you get into photography how long have you been doing that
0: um, it's it's actually it was four years ago okay it was really random because I never I don't have these stories like all photographers do oh I was 10 years old and I my mom bought me my first camera this is how it all started like I don't have that yeah I used to well hate what's photography well, I was
1: gonna say what's funny is um surprisingly more and more people that I've been talking to they literally say oh I picked it up last year or picked yeah. it up two three yeah. years ago
0: I guess it's becoming more and more popular. yeah
1: I, I feel like back in the day like you had to have these people it was their life passion yeah. but now and that's Uh, The point I want to make with that is like, you know, for people who are listening, if they are interested in it, like do it, just learn it. You know, you don't have to have this crazy story. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Pick it up. So you used to hate it, you said.
0: Yeah, I used to hate it. And I, I thought it was so lame because it was just everyone was a photographer. Everyone who bought a camera was a photographer. And I thought like, oh, my God, I don't want to be one of these people who just, you know, they don't have any knowledge, any skills. They call themselves photographers. And like everyone wants to be in this field. And I thought it's too much. It's too trendy. But but then I kind of got into video editing um, and um, I found this uh, famous now YouTuber Peter McKinnon.
1: (laughs) The man, Peter,
0: (laughs) which was like three, almost four years ago. It was actually four years ago. He was not that big. He was, of course, like going. Yeah, (laughs) going places on YouTube. Um, but he had, like, 500,000 subscribers.
1: Whoa, you did find him when he was young.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, nobody, well, not so many people knew about him. Now, like, everybody knows. Yeah. And I just, I got hooked. I just binge-watched all of his episodes, all of his videos. And he inspired me to buy my first camera. It's crazy. Wow. <laughs> um YouTube just can inspire to take up, you know, new... Um, yeah activity new thing and i really got into this whole um, video photography life world (laughs) yeah
1: so you were in you were in russia at this time right yeah was this before yeah this was after china yeah um because you went there 10 years ago wow so yeah you got into that and what did you do with it at first was it just for fun did you ever think you'd be doing it to make money
0: yeah i thought i thought about it but not not from the very beginning of course like it it was just i traveled so much that i kind of i couldn't not take photos because it was so tempting to capture all this beauty i traveled a lot to the alps Mm. like switzerland Mm -hmm. it's impossible not to take any photos there so i kind of had to you know so i started like of course with landscape photography because i was just traveling so much and uh Yeah, then I got into portrait photography and I started like doing, you know, paid shoots in Russia because it's so popular that everyone wants to have their photos taken by a professional photographer. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I started uh, doing it, you know, as a, as a job. Gotcha. A career.
1: And then yeah, when you move to Iceland, now you're working you're working with brands or what is your and main Yeah,
0: sometimes I work with brands or like um individuals, you know, again like couples shoots, individual okay. like portrait shoots and food photography. I actually got into this like half a year ago, started doing that. So yeah, it's it's fun. I love
1: yeah. it. Yeah, nice. And do you like reach out to brands do it? Or how do you how do you get the work? How do you find the work?
0: Um, It's usually either people reach out to me or in Iceland, it's kind of all about networking. Mm -hmm. It's all about recommendations and people, you know, and somebody because like people, some people know that I'm a photographer and they recommend me to somebody. So it's all about this networking. It's you can't really find any jobs online in this field in Iceland. So of course it was tough at the beginning because I didn't know anyone and I didn't have this network, but now it's kind of, it's, uh, changing. Nice. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, so for aspiring photographers, do you have like one tip to help them, whether they're thinking about getting into it or they've just started, uh, what is something that really helped you, uh, get to the point where, I mean, now, you know, you're a professional photographer.
0: Well, Um, like I'm, you know, I'm self-taught everything that I learned about photography was from YouTube, from Mm -hmm. YouTube tutorials. Um, so, and, and practice. So I would say, learn as much as you can. And what helps me is to analyze every photo that I see. For example, if you're into portrait photography, you want to analyze other people's Photos and analyze yours and analyze mistakes kind of try to critique and watching these videos there are a lot of videos on you know critiquing like um, just people's photography uh, on YouTube it helps you a lot to kind of spot these mistakes and understand you know how it works composition posing and editing and just watching I watched a lot of uh, editing tutorials and like watching people edit it just helps you understand you know uh, this whole process better
1: yeah i love it yeah kind of dissect be intentional about it like be intentional about looking at these pictures because so often especially on instagram we'll just scroll like oh nice picture double tap scroll you know but like what makes it a nice picture what what are those elements that go into that yeah yeah, I love it. And, That's
0: And of course, be creative because now everyone like with Instagram, everyone is trying to kind of copy each other. And I, I, I'm i not a fan of that. <laughs> Where speak, is the...
1: Speaking of, um, you mentioned like uh, you have for a for photographer, you have a relatively small following and you haven't really yeah. been active on Instagram. Um, so what are what are your thoughts on social media as a professional photographer who doesn't really have a huge Instagram?
0: Yeah, it's really bad. To what say is a healthy a photographer I think but i I have kind of been uninspired by social media. or, oh, like it made me feel really uninspired and mm. I felt like it was killing my creativity. Mm. I don't even know. I think many people actually are uh, feeling the same way now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that it's it's a great concept. It's a great idea. Um, but we, as people always turn it into something not that great all the time. We're kind of, I don't know, it's just pure. Instagram has, for me, turned into like a huge shopping mall mm. where everyone is trying to sell something and yeah I don't know I don't see a lot of creativity there of course like there are a lot of uh, amazing creators on Instagram but they just get lost you know in in all this madness yeah
1: yeah and I think um that that's that's a big thing um kind of what I want to do with this show is talk about uh you don't have to be an influencer to be like a travel content creator digital nomad because um, you're a content creator and right now you're semi-permanent uh, but you're also a digital nomad because you uh, you're able to work here in Iceland but you could also go to Switzerland and work with companies there yes. and I think that's the biggest thing I want to say like if you if Instagram you know whether it's your Um, self-confidence whether it's just spending too much time online whatever it is like it's okay to not have a huge social media following because you can still make money in today's online world as a content creator as a creative and and
0: people think it defines them like the the, the amount of followers defines their kind of level or Mm -hmm. their quality or just you know them as professionals but I don't see that on Instagram I see people with like very small following that are amazing and vice versa people with huge following that don't really produce anything so great so it's not it's a mismatch and yeah you shouldn't be discouraged i think yeah you shouldn't focus on that
1: a huge following just means you know how to how to work the algorithm that's that's all it means (laughs) so some most hopefully you know you have good content and you're able to grow that um but just because you have a low following doesn't mean you have, you don't have great content. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing your thoughts on that because that's definitely something I really want to emphasize a lot on this, um, podcast because so often we get trapped in this growth, 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 you know, that's our goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, I have this, um, I have this part called the business deep dive, which you actually didn't have in the form because you filled out yeah. the other one. Yeah,
0: because I didn't feel like I'm a digital nomad. <laughs> right.
1: Um, but I'm curious. So if if you have something, do you have like uh, something in mind where you worked with a company kind of from start to finish and we just go through it? Um, you don't have to like talk about how much you were paid or any details or anything, but kind of like the process for people who might be interested in doing something like this, mm-hmm. um, to show, yeah, just, a, comp- a brand you enjoyed working with,
0: but it's funny because I haven't really reached out myself to any brands, it's No. Been the other however it out. happens.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I just one particular instance. And then we start at the beginning and how you connected and whatever.
0: Yeah, so sometimes they just find me on Instagram, <laughs> which is surprising. Yeah, um, again, we were
1: talking about, yeah, I don't know I, how you keep popping up. Yeah, but...
0: I don't understand how they do it, <laughs> but they just kind of um, send me, you know, a DM asking, like, explaining um, the project and uh, if if I'm available for it, if I'm interested. And then we meet and discuss all the details and... Uh, yeah, and then we just shoot. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone is happy.
1: So do you have one one instance in particular though that we can kinda yeah. dive deep into?
0: Um with a brand specifically. Yeah.
1: Well yeah. it could be a brand or a um, a person. Yeah, a brand. Let's do a brand. Yeah. Because those get paid way more than portrait <laughs> shoots.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I have a, an example. Okay,
1: um, do you want to share who it was? or?
0: Um, yeah, it was uh, a startup. Okay, uh, here in Iceland. Not really, it's actually a foreign startup. Okay, <laughs> nice. They, they came to Iceland to shoot because they wanted specifically Icelandic landscape. And uh, yeah, they found me on Instagram and reached out and asked if i was available for like specific dates
1: did to... they ask you in the instagram dm or did yeah. you like connect over email okay so they asked you on in instagram
0: yeah so yeah so they explained the concept and sent all the you know details and information about like this it was like a kickstarter campaign okay. like, for the yeah. startup and uh, they needed like a promotional video um so they wanted me to shoot for them and uh yeah it was a cool experience
1: that's awesome so were they here like you just you just met up with them and shot their product then yeah while they were visiting iceland yeah
0: yeah yeah just like for a short time they were here just to shoot this content
1: got you and so when when you shot that that was basically um so you don't post it you don't do anything you basically sell them um the picture the photo content
0: it was video content
1: video yeah right because yeah. you do both you do video yeah. And, and yeah pictures. mostly do
0: photos but sometimes do videos as well
1: yeah awesome nice and how long how long was that from start to finish
0: <clears throat> mm, i don't know maybe about two weeks
1: okay nice and then yeah they did the kickstarter and off they went yeah. so that's awesome yeah very cool well let's finish up with um travel trivia
0: Now, it's time for Travel Trivia. Travel Trivia coming your way.
1: Do you prefer beaches or cities?
0: Um, I prefer mountains.
1: (laughs) (laughs) None of the above. What's your favorite city that you visited?
0: My favorite city, um, I would say it's Budapest in Hungary. Hmm. Why is that? It was really beautiful. just, I don't know, the, the whole city has this unique vibe and i was doing a photography workshop there and met my best friend there this workshop and we had the best time it was just magical um yeah doing night photography in budapest was amazing and just yeah the city is, is is a gem
1: wow sounds like a really cool experience
0: yeah i think everyone should visit
1: yeah uh what's what is the worst food that you've ever tried Either yeah, traveling or in, in China. Russia. <laughs> really?
0: Just food is a whole a whole different topic about China. But yeah, I was struggling with food there. And uh, we had, um, it was like a soup uh, ingredients. I, I can't even, you know, <laughs> remember. Or can't, I couldn't even identify the ingredients yeah. in it. It was just so weird for me. And I just, I couldn't, couldn't eat it. But it was like a canteen. Um, we were staying at the university, uh, and we were eating all the time at this canteen, university okay. canteen. Yeah. So maybe it had something to do with that. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> Is university food ever really good? You know. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> it wasn't the best. But then all this, you know, like street food in China with all this bugs and insects and it was just i I didn't try it but i saw people like from my group they tried it actually loved it (laughs) wow but like yeah it's it's normal in china
1: interesting uh do you prefer nikon canon or sony canon uh apple or android apple do you prefer group or solo travel
0: good question i think i prefer traveling with my best friends
1: mm.
0: or like best friend or friends uh, yeah yeah i was solo traveling i felt kind of lonely i couldn't share all my mm-hmm. you know experiences and thoughts and, and all that stuff it was i don't know it just felt lonely yeah but sometimes it's 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 good as well to just get away alone
1: <laughs> yeah kind of learn more about yourself yeah <laughs> um what is your favorite airport that you've flown through
0: my favorite airport oh wow i actually think it's kaplowik it's really my favorite airport yeah i think it's so cozy it's yeah. so it's so i don't know there is something cozy about it it's, it's not that big and just the lighting makes it cozy and
1: <laughs> and usually when you come it's like raining out yeah, yeah i agree yeah. I, I i really like the vibe there yeah uh if you could live anywhere in the world permanently where would you want to live
0: question um i i kind of want to say iceland yeah (laughs) yeah i just i wish uh the climate was a little bit warmer here (laughs) um yeah so i i think if i can travel i'm good in iceland if i can travel to some warm places Mm. because i just you need this sunshine you know and, and warmth so, yeah. and that's
1: been the hard thing this last year. Yeah, <laughs> we're just like prisoners on this volcanic yeah. island. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's been struggle.
1: Um, and last question: What makes travel worth it to you personally?
0: Um, like we talked about it at the beginning. Um, I think just opening up your mind and uh, learning something new. You know, gaining some new experience and and people that are totally different from uh, what you're used to from your way of thinking it's just i think it makes you more well uh, well well-rounded and yeah just makes you a better person
1: yeah absolutely well awesome thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories Christina.
0: thank you so much for having me
1: Thank you for being a part of today's conversation. If you don't already, come follow us on Instagram at Travel Worth Living for daily updates. This episode was edited and produced by Agnes Gretostotis with music by Vlad Glushenko. I'm your host, Seth Sutherland, and this is Travel Worth Living.